0: Are you ready for God's Word? Um, I am ready to share this last installment of the series that I just called Storm Warning, because it feels like we've been in a storm. It almost feels surreal, like, is this really what life is like right now? And so I have this last installment I want to share, and so if I want you to go ahead and grab a Bible or your device, and I want you to turn or click um, and go to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven, and Matthew chapter seven is um, the the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount is is the largest discourse, but probably also the most famous, uh, discourse of Jesus in Scripture. And it's Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. And he starts in Matthew 5 with the Beatitudes, which was kind of revolutionary in a way, um, because the Beatitudes speak more about who you are than what you look like on the outside. So he's in an orthodox culture Religious orthodoxy, if you will, and and he's talking to Orthodox Jews, um, and a lot of his disciples would have been, you know, Orthodox Jews, and and all of a sudden, instead of like everything being about the outside, he starts talking about blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the meek. So he starts talking about who we are on the inside. So it's a, it's a revolutionary way to teach. And, and Jesus does, he, he gives this discourse. He's on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Most people believe that he is on the Mount of Beatitudes uh, or the Mount of Beatitude. There's now a church where they think he gave this teaching Um, And so the Sea of Galilee is his backdrop. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter seven, which is the end. In fact, we're going to lead. We're going to read together the last um, kind of parable or allegory or or story or illustration. We're going to read the last illustration of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter seven, uh, verse 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. One verse says, how great was its fall? How great was its fall? I I call this message, I just simply titled it what I think Jesus would have titled it. And I think what Jesus is talking about, because you have to think about this, he has delivered Matthew 5, Matthew 6, he's the Beatitudes, he's talked about prayer, he's talked about the kingdom, he's talked about how to live life. And, And so he has put together, I mean, if we just only had the Sermon on the Mount, there is enough in there. To disciple us. Are you with me? I mean, it is it is rich with content. And he gets to the end of that discourse and he says, Let me let me close with this. And to me, this is his mic drop. This is where he says, essentially, hey, what I just talked about, that's what you build your life on. That's what you build your life on. And if you don't build your life on that, it's probably gonna fall over. And I, I thought, how fitting to talk about this and I think if Jesus would have entitled this portion I think he would have said this this is how you live a storm proof life. So I want to talk to you about a storm proof life. Storm proof life. Can't can I pray for you? Father, thank you so much for the truth that we have in your word. That your word is truth. It is all truth. It is not part truth. It is not open for debate or conjecture. It is Truth and God, it is a rock and a foundation for our lives. So, in these moments, help us to hear from you and help us to build our house on something that cannot fail in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and at home you better say amen and you can type in amen like just because you're there doesn't mean you're not participating remember we don't want spectators we want participators and so put you know if things get hot put a fire emoji if things go bad throw in some toilet paper um but uh write this down if you're taking notes three three things that i just want to talk about as we look at this passage together the first is the obvious that the stability of your foundation Determines the stability of your life. That that is actually um, that what you what you build your house, if you will, is only as secure as the integrity or the stability, or the or the solidness of what it is built upon. That's what Jesus is telling us. There there are a lot of commonalities when you look at this text. There are a lot of commonalities. I think. Um, if we look through it, I mean, we're talking number one about two builders. Um, we're talking about two houses. Um, both of these builders had the same goal, which was to build a house in scripture. A house can represent a life. Like we see here, a house can represent a family, the house of David, a house can represent a ministry or the church, the, the house of God, and a house can represent a nation. And so you see all of those parallels. So I, I think, I think the, the, the him choosing to give this analogy with the picture of a house was intentional because essentially it encapsulates anything you would ever want to build, a, a life, a family, a ministry, a vocation, right, or, or even a nation. And I think Jesus is like, so here's the point. No matter what you're trying to build, the foundation matters. And no matter what you're trying to build, my word is the foundation that will hold it up. It doesn't matter what I'm trying to build if it's not built on his, his words. So, so they both um, are building a house. The distinction comes when we start talking about the foundation, now, I think it's important to understand they both had a foundation, so that is another commonality, but the distinction is what the foundation was laid upon, or, or the distinction was where or what the house was built upon. The distinction comes in, in the category or type of foundation, but here's what I want you to understand from this, and this is what I saw, is that everyone has a foundation, Let me say it another way. Your house is built on something. And either you have chosen a foundation through intention or you have chosen a foundation through negligence. But either way, you have a foundation. You have built something on something. So the question isn't do you have a foundation? The question isn't, have you built your life on something? The question is, what is the foundation that I have built my life on? That's really the question. And and maybe I chose something intentionally. In other words, I chose the word of God very systematically, very intentionally, thought out, thorough, or I just built a life on something and I may not even be certain what it is built upon, but... Your life is built on something. First Corinthians 3:10, Paul says this: according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But look at this. Look at this last phrase. But let each take heed how he builds. Let each take heed how he builds on it. In other words, this is what Paul's saying. Pay attention to what you build on and what you build. I I think maybe right now there's a lot of people that, that, um, that are finding out maybe that what they thought was a firm foundation wasn't. And they're finding out maybe they didn't build with as much intentionality. Because see, here's the thing about storms. Storms, think about this, storms are a revealer. They reveal the strength of the foundation. Storms expose the flaws in foundations. And here's what I'd say, Like, and I want to say this lovingly, but it's a good point and needs to be made. If today you feel like your house is shifting, it may, no, not it, not it may. If today you feel like your house is shifting, it is because of the foundation and what a great time like i wanted to do this message because what a great time to evaluate our foundation what a great time because if we're in a place and we feel like everything is sinking and shifting and moving then then it, it let me let me just tell you where to look your foundation look at your foundation See, see if you've intentionally built, see if you've taken heed and intentionally built because storms test foundations. One thing that bothered me in this text was, was, was the comparison and contrasting of the, the rock and the sand. And, and I think the reason is that I grew up in church and I don't know if you grew up in church, but in children's church, we talked about this only we talked about it in song because everything in children's church is really a musical. Really, it is. And I may be thinking about that because I watched High School Musical, the musical series with my daughter, uh, Mariah, and so everything's a musical. You know, it's a musical. Anyways, and so um, <laughs> we're all in this. Anyways, um, <laughs> have a sing along. But, but, um, but I think because I grew up in church, you know, so much scripture, we would talk about it in song. You know, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons, Father Abraham, maybe you you knew that song. But we had one for this. We, we called it Don't Build Your House on the Sandy Land. And he had to clap like that. And don't build it too near the shore. Oh, it might be kind of twice. No, nice. It might be kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice. You have to build your house once more. You better build your house upon the rock. Anyways, we had little motions and we would just, anyways, but 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 here's the thing. In in my thinking growing up then, it's like, yeah, some fool went and built their house on the sand. What idiot builds their house on the sand? And when we apply our Western thinking to this passage, it is it is so easy to say, well, what idiot would build on the sand? I'm not building my life on the sand. And it's almost like we um we we miss the application. And absolve ourselves from from maybe any wrong uh, doing or interpretation or application of it, because after all, what idiot would build their house on a sand? But let me let me help you. Let's jump into culture, if you will. Jesus is teaching this from from the north. Eastern, northwestern shore, if you will, of the Sea of Galilee, right? So he is to the west of Capernaum on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And so he is standing on the Mount of Beatitudes and his backdrop would be the Sea of Galilee, which is the beginning of the Jordan River basin. The Jordan River runs north to south from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea, right? And the Jordan River during the, the summer months is very well contained. It's not a huge river. Um, it's, it's, it's inside its banks. It's not Not like rapids or anything like that. Um, It is very low, though. I think it's the lowest river in the world. But that's the backdrop. Now, here's the thing: the Jordan River Basin is known for having a soil, if you will, or or um, are being composed of what would be called alluvial sand. Alluvial sand is non-compacted, non-consolidated sediment right? And so it's pieces of rock, pieces of dirt. I mean, if you go to Israel, you're not going to find sand like we have on our beaches. You're not going to find that. So when he's talking about sand, what they knew as sand was essentially non-compressed, non-compacted, non-consolidated sediment, pieces of rock and dirt and dust and all of that. Um, but here's the trick. In, in the summer, in the dry months, the Jordan River Basin becomes compacted and hard even though those particles and and different pieces of sediment, if you will, don't actually stick together. They still get compressed. And so the ground becomes hard like rock, even though they all know it's alluvial sand. And, and they would have probably all, the listeners would have probably all known Cousin Eddie, who was holding out for his management position, who found a cheap piece of, of land in this, in this Jordan River Basin and decided to build a house on, on what looked to be solid, and it was solid, Until the flood came. Because when the winter months come and the rains come, it floods, the Jordan River floods very quickly because of the soil there and and water will start shooting through that basin in different places and whatever is sitting on what seemed to be something that was solid now starts shifting and eventually falls. And now I thought, now this is a text we can all apply to our lives because all of us have made the mistake of building our life on something we thought was solid, something that someone else had maybe built their life upon. And so now he's not talking about someone with a diminished intelligence. He is talking about someone who, 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 who didn't take heed, who wasn't careful, who wasn't thoughtful, who didn't didn't take time to really do, do the work necessary. I remember when we were building the building, we had to get these soil samples where the building is to see what kind of soil was in the ground and they would bore down into the ground so we knew what was down there, whether or not it would hold the building up or not, whether or not it would Hold the parking lots up or not. Are, are you with me? And, and because we needed, and so now he's talking about people that just didn't, as Paul said, take heed how they built. He's talking about people who thought they were building on something steady, maybe because culture told them it was steady. Maybe their friends told them, oh, man, if you have this 401k or you have this Roth IRA or you make these investments, that's going to be really solid. Financial security, that's your foundation. Hey, this partner, this relationship, um, that that's really if you get the right person, like that's really what's going to bring stability to your life, like if you have this right priority, or you have this position, or you have this many followers, that is—that's going to be what you need to build your life on. Just think about it. This is a sailor pause, because many of us have made the mistake of building our life, or building part of our life, on something that looked solid until the rain came. You know what else about alluvial sand that's kind of crazy? Is, uh, alluvial, yeah, this is the research I was doing while you were doing what you were doing. And But alluvial sand is a mixture. It's pieces of rock with dirt. Sand. It's a mixture. Just think about that. Because I, I wonder how many Christians build their life on a mixture. On a mixture of God's word and a mixture of public opinion. Oh, this is there better be a fire emoji going down right now, because you know this is good. You know this is good. Tiger King ain't got nothing on this. You understand what I'm saying? You know I love apples. Um, I do. I love apples. I love I love fruit mostly because it's sweet. I'll, I have a sweet. Uh, well, I have a whole set of sweet teeth. Um, I'm really having to practice social distancing from my refrigerator lest I come out of this looking like Jabba the Hutt. Um, And my healthy snack lately has been, I like those gala or gala, I don't know how you pronounce them, the G-A-L-A apples, gala, gala, because they're kind of sweet, I like them. And I put peanut butter on them, really good, set you free. I hear the baby angels. But you know what else I like to do with apples? (laughs) is um, have you ever gotten a candied apple, a caramel apple? Like, is that not the Holy Ghost? I mean, like, you understand what I'm saying? Because it's like one of the sweetest fruits with more sugar on it. What else is there? Um, and and I, while I don't mind dipped candied apples, I think the dipped apples are really good. But you know the problem with the dipped apple is that only the outside gets dipped. And so I like to cut mine up and then dip the pieces like you're eating chips and dip, and eat the caramel that way because then the inside of the apple doesn't get left out. Everybody gets caramel, and also I get more caramel. Are you with me? Um, I wonder if 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 well, let me say it this way. I do realize though because I try to eat healthy. Let me say this. I do realize that because somebody's out there like pastor, you know, apple a day keeps the doctor away unless you coat it in sugar. And I understand that once you start dipping the apple in excessive amounts of liquid sugar, that all nutritional benefit of that apple is completely negated. Like, I, I completely get it is no longer fruit. You have made it candy. Like I, and, and you know what? And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But I, when I thought about that, I thought, I wonder if that's how church people sometimes are. Because we come to church and we get a good apple. And it is the wisdom of God. And then on Monday, we get out into the world and we start submitting the wisdom of God to the opinions of culture, to the opinions of what we think is wise. And I wonder if we're not just taking a fresh apple and dipping it in caramel and sugar and it is negating the truth of it, the power of it, the potency of it, the health benefit of it. Oh, come on. This is another place for a fire emoji right here. This is so good. And what we're doing is we're trying to mix. And this is what Jesus is saying in this parable. Can I just tell you what Jesus is saying in the parable? He's saying you can't mix my word with your world. Better come on. You can't mix my word with your world. He said, these are my teachings. This is what you build your house on. And you can't build your house half on my word and half on your wisdom, intellect, knowledge, understanding, or opinions. Because you know why? You want to know the greatest commonality in this in this in this passage? <laughs> there will be a storm. Can I say this? There will be another storm. There will be another storm. What we need to do in this moment is learn from this storm so that when the next storm comes, we have a house that cannot be shaken because it is built on the rock, right? My hope is built, we used to sing this, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweet refrain, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Here's the second thing. I'll write this down, write this down. Your foundation cannot be laid in the rain. Let me say it another way. Once, once the storm starts, the foundation you had is the foundation you have. Like I remember when we were building the building, um, when, it, when we were pouring the concrete for the foundation, I remember how we had to have dry weather and we had to pick our windows because it was such a big pour and they ended up pouring it in three sections because we had to make sure that it had, had time to be poured and to cure and to dry before the rain came or, or the rain would affect the integrity of it. Right. Are you with me? And so you can't start. You really can't start pouring a foundation in a rain in the rain. Once the storm hits. Right. Then then what you have is what you have. And right now, I just want you to understand if you're sitting here and things are moving around and shifting around and you are worried and you are not at peace and you are not sleeping and you are concerned, then I want you to understand you may have to ride this one out, but make sure you don't have to ride the next one out. That when you get out of this storm, go to work building your foundation. And in fact, in Luke chapter 6, now there's some debate. Some people believe Luke chapter 6 is, in some ways, a recap of the Sermon on the Mount, or maybe his version of the Sermon on the Mount. Some people would call Luke chapter 6 the Sermon on the Plains, because it was, they believe, given on the Plains of Bethsaida, which is in a very similar location, uh, if you will, near Capernaum, northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus is, Luke is recording the same words, as the point. He's talking about these builders, and he's talking about rock and sand, but he puts a phrase in there that Matthew doesn't have, Verse 48 of Luke 6 says this, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep, dug down deep, right? Look at, you, hey, look at somebody in the room with you right now and tell them, get your shovel, get your shovel. We're going deep. Get your shovel. Dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. So when the flood came and, and the torrent struck that house, it couldn't shake it. Because it was well built, why was it well be built? because they dug down deep. Now I want you to think about again backdrop alluvial sand. Here's what he's saying: they dug all the mixture out. Oh, man, this is so good. Like, I'm so glad you're here today. They, they dug like I don't know what you paid to get in, but you should double it. All right, um, they dug. <laughs> I didn't get in anywhere. <laughs> Just it was a joke. It was a ba- these are the jokes, people. Um. But think about this. We talked about this mixture. Here's what they did. They dug all the mixture out until they only had rock left. It hurts so good. But but they dug all the social media opinions out. They dug all the all the polls and surveys out. They dug out all the office chatter. They dug out all of their own Thinking, if you will, their own opinions, their own strat, they dug all the mixture out till the only thing that was left was the rock. See, the truth is to build on the rock, let me tell you this, it's more work because you, the alluvial sand is compacted in a way that you can just start building on it if you want, and that'll work till the rain comes. But if you want to build on the rock, there's you got to dig, there's some work involved. In other words, this is why I need the word of God because I need to know what God's truth is and what man's opinions are. I need to know what God's truth is and what cultural fad is. I need to understand the difference between what is really rock and what is really mixture. I thought, man, I could have called this sermon, come on, let's rock. But anyway, it's, I'm sorry. Um, the truth of it is, it's easier to build on the sand. Let me say it this way. It's easier to go with the flow, but then in the flow, you will go. Right? You go with the flow and build on you some sand and then when the water comes in that flow, you will go. Go with the flow but then in the flow you're going to go. It's actually more different. Do you understand? I don't know if you've ever seen build a skyscraper. I haven't but I've been in cities when they were building them and what was interesting to me is walking by and seeing this hole that is like it's a hole. Like it is down. Feet and feet and feet. And, and what we all probably know is that However, whatever you want to build up, it starts with how far you got to dig down. Like the depth of your digging. We grew up with a, we had chickens. We had a chicken coop, and until the chickens got out and did their business in the yard, and mom got mad, and then we just had fried chicken for a long time. True story. True story. It's, it's like John Wick came to the kitchen. <laughs> the chicken coop. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're from Peta, don't call me. Okay. Anyways, um, (laughs) may need to edit that. But anyways, um, but, but, you know, when we went to build our chicken coop or my dad built his chicken coop, foundation wasn't mud. I mean, it was just some, some, some concrete blocks essentially. Um, but if you want to build a skyscraper, you got to dig feet and feet and feet and feet. Like even the building, when we dug that, it's just a single story building. But when we dug that, I remember I went out on site one day and there was this huge hole like, like you could drive trucks down in this hole. And I was like, are we building a pond? Like, what are we, it's like, what are we doing? And, and no, this is the foundation. Because we've got to get down to the solid ground because what we're, we're putting hundreds of thousands of pounds of steel on top of this. So we got to get down to the solid ground and then low, layer in the right kind of dirt, which is also part of the foundation, before we ever get to the piers and the concrete and then ultimately the structure. And here's what I realized. The foundation of a chicken coop and the foundation of a skyscraper are not the same. My concern is some people want to try to build a skyscraper life on a chicken coop foundation. Oh, you didn't see it coming. You thought we were talking about eggs. And what it is, we don't want to do the hard work of getting the mixture out, the hard work of getting down to the truth. We don't want to dig down deep in the word of God. We just kind of want to live our life based on culture and opinion and desire and understanding that we have and try to sprinkle a little rock in with it. And we've got this as we don't dig out the mixture to get down to the truth. And then we're trying to build a skyscraper on concrete blocks that were meant for chicken coops. And here's what you need to understand. Once that thing starts shifting and the storm starts coming, whatever the foundation you had was is the foundation you have. And if we have learned anything from this storm, it may need to be this, that we got some more digging to do when we get out of the storm. We've got to get down to the rock so that what we build cannot be shaken. Yeah, yeah. Are you? Oh, that's so good. Better be some fire emojis. But somebody said, there are. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Here's the third thing. Write this down. Third thing. Um, and this, this is the key, right? This is the key. So if you made it this far, this is, this is why you made it. Your foundation isn't what you know. It is what you do. Oh, I think this is a huge misconception. I think some people think because I know the word of God, I have a good foundation. But according to what Jesus is the best cardio I've had all week, by the way. But according to Jesus, uh, but according to Jesus, your foundation isn't what you know. It's what you do. He said, those who practice, who put into practice my words. Those who put into practice, not those who know them. In fact, you know, another commonality is that, um, that both of the builders had the same material. Oh, this is good. Come on, y'all. Because we think there's idiots over here that don't know God, and they're building their house on sand. No, no, no. What Jesus, he's talking to Orthodox Jews. He's talking to people who had the law and the prophets. They had as much of the word of God as they could have. So he's got a singular audience, singular audience. And and here's, here's what he starts saying. You all have the same material, you all have the teachings of God. But the ones who aren't shaken are the ones who practice it, not the ones who know it. Oh, that's so good. Um, see, the difference wasn't information. The difference between being shaken and being stable is application. Application. Those who put into practice these sayings of mine. Those who implement them. So, see, wisdom, so let's understand what he's saying. Wisdom is applied truth. So he's saying wisdom is the ability and the decision to apply biblical truth to life's realities. And I want to use biblical truth because biblical truth is concrete. It is not up for debate. I know we live in a culture where everybody, oh, I'm living my truth. No, you're living your lie. There is only one truth. And it wasn't a man who claimed to have it. It was a man who claimed to be it. And so... Bib- wisdom is the is a is the ability and the decision to apply biblical truth to life's realities. So, what is foolishness? Foolishness is the inability or the refusal to apply biblical truth to life's realities. It's when I don't put into practice what the Word of God says. I am being a fool. I didn't expect a lot of amens on that. I think if the room had been full, it would have sounded like it just sounded. Crickets. See, wisdom is applied truth. Wisdom demands that I avail myself to truth and then choose to implement it at all costs. It's harder work to dig. Um, Wisdom isn't choosing to hear truth. So if you're online today Wisdom is not listening to what I'm saying. Wisdom is what you're gonna do with it when the stream is over. Um, the only difference between the wise person and the foolish person was what they did with truth. Only difference here. In fact, it is the main difference, but really it is the core difference. Really, I don't think there's much other of a difference. Same, same goal, two builders. Both went to Home Depot, had the same materials, had the same information. Both were gonna build on a foundation. One of them chose to apply truth. One of them chose not to. Um, James, Jesus' brother, in, in, in James one twenty two, he says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, why? You would be deceiving yourselves. We're all worried about someone else deceiving us and we deceive ourselves more than anyone else ever can. And this is how we do it. We hear truth and think because we heard it, we have the right foundation. When hearing truth is not a foundation, doing truth is a foundation. My God, this is the greatest message I've ever preached in my life. I'm so glad that you're here. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that the difference is, is doing it. Wisdom comes not from having information, but from choosing to integrate that information into your life. Um, We moved into a new house uh, last year. And um, when we moved in, there were a few little places that needed to be touched up with paint. And the builder said, hey, I'm going to wait till you all move in. And then I'll have the painters come over and touch the paint up uh, because you may mark some things up you know, moving furniture in or whatnot. And we are like, totally cool. And so I remember there's this one place is kind of in the back hall and there's an archway and above that archway, it's kind of dark right there, but I could see where it wasn't painted thoroughly. In other words, it had sprayed, but not been coated well. And then there's some other dings and things. And I was like, I'll be glad when these painters get this paint over here and fix this house. I, you know, I, I'm a personality, unfortunately, that sees the things that are wrong and I'm in a group for, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyways, and what's so funny is the painters, when they finally showed up, get this, they didn't bring any paint with them. You know why? Because the paint had been in my house all along. It was in the attic. I didn't need the painters to bring the paint. The painters came and they didn't bring anything new to the situation. All they did was apply something that I had access to all along. And you know what? Having the paint didn't make the difference. Applying the paint made all the difference in the world. And I wonder how many of you at home may have in your house what you need to stormproof your life, but it's in the attic, on a shelf, under the bed, on a nightstand. It is even in your head, but it has not been applied. And it is the application that makes the difference. Stormproofing your life is this applying. Truth before the rain starts. If you want to storm-proof your life, this is what you do. You dig before the rain. You apply before the rain. You do the work before the rain. Then when the rain and the wind and the flood comes, you're like, no, baby, I have something to stand on. It is Christ the solid rock. It is his teaching that I am living out. I just don't know it. I practice it when there was no rain. So now that there is rain, I can practice it even still. Practice means to get good at it. I got good at living on the rock and digging the sand out before the rain came. And now that the rain's come, I'm just sitting back like, let it rain. I like the sound of thunder because I know I have built my house on something that cannot be shaken. My God, that's good preaching. So my question is, What do we need to learn from this storm about our foundations? What needs to be our strategy to prepare ourselves for the next storm? What do we need to dig out? Do we need to go back to work and dig down deep? What do we need to do? I was talking to our staff and I said, we will never get back to normal there will be a new normal because we would only be foolish if we didn't let the storm teach us what needed to be changed let the storm teach you what needs to be changed maybe a foundation needs to be dug maybe some truth needs to be applied maybe maybe some things need to be submitted to the Word of God instead of the Word of God being submitted to some things Jesus wants you to live a stormproof life. Listen, storms are gonna come and go, but he wants your house to stand. And that's why he finishes his Sermon on the Mount by saying, here's the truth. Now apply it so that when the storms come, your house stands. Can you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word, for the power of your word that transcends time and space for speaking to us. And God, I pray every person who is watching right now would take a moment and just ask themselves, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What do you want me to walk away? Where do I need to dig? Maybe there's some things I need to dig out. Maybe I need to go back to work and dig down. God, maybe I built my my life on something I thought was really stable, but it's not. God, help me. to Speak to me. And right now, as we're just listening for the Holy Spirit, if you're there and, and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, so you haven't built your life on the rock, listen, no harm, no foul, no judgment, no condemnation. We have all been there. But here's the thing. Today, you can start a relationship with Jesus. Today, you if there's something in your heart that says, I'm away from God and I don't really know Him and I don't have peace with Him, you can pray with me just where you're at. And you just simply pray, Jesus... I believe you're the Son of God. You died and rose again. Forgive me, cleanse me, make me new. I want to follow you with all of my life. And if you prayed that prayer, make sure and let us know. Text connect to the number on your screen or, or click on the connection card. There's a place to mark, hey, I made a decision to follow Jesus. We just want to follow up with you, to, to love on you, send you resources, whatever we can do, we want to do that. And listen, for all of our family, for all of our pathway people, let us build our house on the rock let the storm teach you whatever you need to learn so that the next storm doesn't toss you let this storm teach you so that storm won't toss you amen listen i love you thank you so much for being with us today stick around for the announcements with pastor mark right after this god bless you we love you we'll see you this week for passion 2020 and we'll see you next weekend for easter for resurrection sunday god bless you we love you we'll see you next weekend